Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Guys, look, we're having a lot of fun with you on this podcast of late. Hopefully you are as well. We really, really do adore the emails uh, that we're getting from all of you and, and uh, all the, the positive comments. And we received some emails over the weekend, and the one I got this morning is the one I'm going to read to you guys, or actually Julie's going to read to you. It's from Scotland. Um, that we get emails, I don't know, probably 50, maybe 60 a week that are essentially people asking questions, but just a lot of you just saying, you know, thank you for telling me this. Thank you for saving me the hassle of having to learn this on my own, you know, all that sort of thing. And I really appreciate that because when you guys actually take the time to put pen to paper or, you know, fingers to keyboard um, and uh, give us feedback like that, it tells me we're on the right path. And at the same time, we do get occasionally people that are offering constructive criticism about maybe we should lighten up on this or, you know, we should drill down more on that. And the other thing, we appreciate that as well. Um, one thing that is, uh, I think, prevalent in all the emails is the fact that you guys get the fact that we're going to tell you the truth no matter uh, what the ramifications are. Because a lot of what's happened in real estate, it's really happened in life in general. Is, but in, even in real estate, there's this, there's this political correctness about what is or isn't proper to talk about with real estate agents. What is or isn't proper to talk about when you're building your real estate business. It's really become almost a religion when you talk to – I'll give you guys the most salient example, and I think those of you who have been listening to us for a while, this will resonate with you. Uh, and, Julie, by the way, you should be live, yes? I think so. Yeah, you are? Yes. Good. Yeah, well, we'll we'll read the, an email in a second. I'm going to give these guys an example. Yep, though. I, I know, know you know. What I, I know you know what I'm going to say anyway. So oh, when we start talking about the changing market, um, we wrote. We have a, an editorial. We have a, a writer staff that writes for our main website, timandjulieharris.com, and we write articles um, for National Association of Realtors. We write articles for a bunch of different publications, as you guys may or may not know. Julie and I are best-selling authors. You can get our book, Harris Rules, on um, Amazon. It's uh, you know that was a huge success. We that was over a year ago that we released that one. By the way, there's another new book that's coming out uh, mid next year, and from what I've been told, the pre-orders will uh, pretty much guarantee that it's going to make New York Times bestseller status, um, and it's also going to be on a lot of bookshelves that weren't the first book or rather the last book wasn't on. So I'm you know that's going to be fun. That's next year. We'll worry about that next year. But here's what Julie and I did on the podcast. We did start saying this about 18 months ago, really 24 months ago, and then we really, really, really started drilling down on that on what I'm about to say to you earlier this year, and we got a lot of shit for it. It's talking about the changing market, and our industry hates when Julie and I talk about the changing market. Hate it. They hate it. So we don't care because it's what agents need to know. When Julie and I sold real estate, uh, I remember – the September, this you know, towards the, it was like you know September 11, 2001, and World Trade Center, and a lot of you guys were in the business then, and I remember that happened, and Julie and I were selling real estate in Albany, Ohio, and the world just sort of came to an end, or at least a temporary stop. Then no, nothing, nobody from the supposed leadership of 
the uh, National Association of Real Estate or, you know, National Association of Realtors, rather, none of the big gurus, nobody, you know, Julie and I had a coaching business then, but it wasn't a big nationally or an internationally known coaching business like it is now. But nobody came out and even offered a, an opinion about what agents should be doing uh, after that. Nobody said anything. So what happened was, is when there was a real opportunity for leaders to lead. They didn't. They stuck their heads in the sand. And then we saw the same thing happen during a minor recession that happened between uh, 2001 and then the big recession that happened in 2007. They did the same damn thing. So Julie and I have seen continuously in our career that the leaders in real estate, what they have a tendency to do is they have a tendency to just come out and say something that's obvious after it's already happened. But while it's happening, they don't, generally speaking, uh, do anything other than just uh, pull in their bridges and, and uh, build their moats so mo- deeper. They protect themselves. Yeah, that's all they do. They don't do anything that's going to potentially adversely affect how you're going to react inside the brokerages, how you're going to react at the conferences, because all these people are dependent on you guys being optimistic. And optimistic in the sense that it's a seller's market and you know, blah, blah, blah. So we started saying about two years ago the market was changing. And, you know, it wasn't as bad as it was when we first started saying that back in 07. But, yeah, we started – we got you know, a little negative here and there. Who cares? You know, oh, they're just trying to sell coaching or they're just trying to this, the other thing, whatever, whatever. But it was happening, and those of you who were in the markets were experiencing it, New York City specifically. You knew it was happening, and how did we know for sure that it was going to affect the rest of the country? Because we don't have our heads up our butts, and we've been doing this for a long time. And it's obvious that whenever you have a major market like New York City, and we started seeing it in our high-end agents in L.A., whenever those things start to happen, it's going to trickle down. It's inevitable. It's just the nature of it. It happened before when, you know, again, in previous uh, recessions and slowdowns and housing corrections, whatever terminology you want to use, they follow a pattern. And by the way, go and listen to the series of podcasts Julie and I did on the great real estate reset. These are some of our most listened to podcasts this year. You can find them on iTunes. Of course, you can just go to timandjulieharris.com and just put in the word reset. You'll see all four of them and listen to them because we talk about what, how to identify what phase of the reset your market is in what to expect to happen next. All right, so we started talking about this a couple of years ago. Um, we started, obviously, we didn't back off. We continued to talk about it. We continued to tell people the truth. We continued to criticize, frankly, the institutions that weren't willing to put, it, put their necks out. Because if they were to say, hey, guys, you know, you being the guys, hey, realtors, if you are, um, you know, feeling a slowdown in your market, you know, these are the things you should be doing. These are the things maybe how you should be repositioning yourself in the market. This is, these are the things maybe you should stop spending money on. Or these are the things that, you know, all the things we talk about on this podcast. But they didn't. Now, what happened? Six months ago, everyone started saying, and we started getting panic calls from brokers. We started getting calls and emails from people that were saying, we heard you say this, but we didn't listen. And now we're starting to see it happen. Now what the hell should we do? All right, that's fine. It's okay. Slow learners are great. So we started telling, you know, again, we picked up uh, the uh, essentially the intensity of the messaging about the changing market. Then we really amped it up about 90, 120 days ago because every early indicator that Julie and I saw back in 06, mid-06, late 06, that led us to believe for sure that there was going to be a housing crash, every single leading indicator back then was starting to uh, flash. Well, there are some exceptions. 
And I just want to be clear, we don't think there's going to be a housing crash like there was back in 07, but there's definitely a correction happening, and everyone, you can't be in denial of it now. And now what's happened? Now, by the way, we started writing articles and doing podcasts specifically for other people to resyndicate them. We wrote articles for Inman. We submitted them. We, and he, we've published lots on Inman. We wrote articles for National Association, and we published national, on National Association. Now, National Association of Realtors, to their credit, they actually do publish things um, that are very potentially scary to agents if it's good content. So, but we, all these different outlets we started providing this information for, and not just our opinions, but backing up with factual data. None of them published the articles. And what they would publish instead, and what they were continuing to publish up to about a month ago, is rosy BS stuff about how the market is da 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 In other words, they are afraid to tell agents that the market is slowing down because what happens when they do? And this is what happens when they do. They need to then know what to tell you guys to do, which many of them don't, because many of the brokers that are in the business now weren't in the business during the previous recession. So they themselves are going to need to know how to – counsel coach you through that process number two all there are i don't even know how many it would have to be thousands of companies that have come online basically since 07 that are venture funded that are all predicated on a certain market on certain market conditions and all of these companies the vast majority of them spend money with, um, you know, there's little business dealings that are intermingled into virtually all kinds of brokerages. When you go and you join a brokerage and they offer you all these sort of incentives to basically buy this particular type of product, a CRM or whatever, it's because they're probably making money from the money that you're spending with that third-party company. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying you have to see the web of things that has evolved since 2007. It wasn't like that before 2007. Things were much more pure. You didn't have to wonder what someone's agenda was when they were giving you advice as much as you do now. I mean, you, jo- you join one of our competitors' coaching company. One of the first things they're, they're going to do is tell you to buy this CRM, buy this, buy this, buy the other thing. What they're not going to tell you is the guy that owns that coaching company is either on the board or owns uh, part of all of those ancillary companies that they're trying to strong arm you into joining. We don't have any relationships like that. One handed home hotline is the exception. So you guys get what I'm getting at here? And by the way, we're very overt that we own half that company, right? I mean, we've never made that a secret. It's not a big company anyway. It's just a small company. It's just basically designed just specifically for our members, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. So here we are again. And over the past two weeks, I've seen more and more negative housing news coming out. We're going to continue to publish it on our main website. But now what I'm starting to see, it's reached a tipping point where the big national brokerages and the big national voices, they're starting now to say the same thing. But look how long it took them. Look how long it's taken the industry to be willing to tell you guys things and read the articles that they're writing. They're writing very neutral articles because, again, they're fearful of essentially having you take the actions that you should be taking. The actions that you should be taking, again, we talk about on the podcast all the time, are stopping the silly spending on all the silly things that don't make you money. Stop wasting your time on the silly things that don't make you money and put you in a position to help people. You know, all the things that we rally against on this podcast, those are the things that you're naturally going to do when everyone, and you included, are realizing that the market's in uh, a complete reset. Because then you're going to look at your Amex statement or your Visa statement, and you're going to say, you know what? 
that branding was a bunch of Mickey Mouse. Hey, it turns out Tim and Julie were right. You're going to say, I don't need a really fancy CRM for $600 a month. I really don't see the purpose of it in the first place. You're going to say, that direct mail campaign, you know, they kept on telling me, wait another month, it's going to start to work. It didn't work. Oh, you know that Facebook and that Instagram campaign. Boy, it made me laugh. Some of my friends said it was funny. But guess what? It never ever got me any business. Those are the realizations that you guys need to have now, opposed to when your cash flow sucks. That's the reason that, for the most part, people don't say what we say, because there are financial ramifications to them in a negative way if you started acting as if the market was already in you know, full-blown reset mode, which, by the way, it is. But what you're, they're just sort of trying to procrastinate the inevitable change to how you guys are going to be forced to start making business decisions more than just emotional ones when it comes to things that you used to build your business. I hope that makes sense to you. I think it does um, to most of you based on the emails. And we're going to continue to say it. And if that means that we're not going to have a bunch of goofy companies want to sponsor, look, let's just see after this reset how many of these companies are still in business. Most of them are going to go out of business, of course. They really weren't in business in the first place other than the money they got from their, you know, their VCs testing this idea to see if agents will buy it. Why do you think so many companies come that start out by selling stuff to real estate agents? The answer is, is because and all these guys want to start selling things. They want to get their product developed inside the real estate industry, and then they want to take it to other industries. Why do they do that? Because real estate agents do not make very good business decisions when it comes to the stuff that they buy. That's why. So they know it's easy for them to get traction inside the real estate industry if they just say the same things that all of them say. You don't have to be uncomfortable. You don't have to actually do any uh, proactive lead generation. You can buy your leads. You can have your CRM and all these automated systems generate your business for you. You don't actually have to be really, really good at what you do, if not the best. You, don't, you guys got, you get it, right? It's a manifestation of the easy button. That's the thing that they know real estate agents will always bite on. Otherwise, companies like, let's just be honest, Zillow wouldn't exist. Zillow wouldn't exist if you guys were willing to generate your own buyer leads. They wouldn't exist. Think about that. Think about the billions of dollars that this industry is spending, real estate agents are spending, to buy leads, to do things so that the individual agents can avoid feeling uncomfortable. So, Julie, these are the things you and I talked about all weekend. What are you thinking? Well, it is interesting how long they wait and how they have to gather evidence, some of them like multiple, multiple, multiple times, before they are convinced Right, So I've even had some of our own coaching clients say, well, now that it's not just you guys warning us about this, and I've got some yeah. more articles in my own local paper about it, now I'm going to start pricing stuff a little bit more aggressively in the first place. I think one of the interesting things that I'm seeing in the markets that are transitioning and aren't quite adjusted yet is that, yes, we're seeing more price reductions. There is no doubt about it. Practically every single coaching call even with our elite clients who have been on top of this, they're watching it, they're doing their adjustments, two weeks or ten showings, they're having those tough conversations, they're having to know price reduction scripts. And on the other side, from the buyer's agents, some of the feedback, and I've, I've had this maybe three or four times today already, the feedback is they like the house, but they're not willing to pay that much yet. And one of the frustrations that we're seeing is that on the buyer agent side, it's like they're still in the mindset they're going to have to pay full list versus actually negotiating. There's like a negotiating void. They're not even running it up the flagpole to get the conversation started. 
So those of you guys who are working with buyers that keep on, you know, seeing stuff and seeing stuff, oh, you know, it's too much, it's too much, it's too much, that, that's buyers being nervous that things are changing, and it, it's basically the world's oldest objection. Get them to write. Hey, you know, use the script. Julie, Let's take Julie. it off the market for everyone else. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't know what you just said. What are you trying to say? <clears throat> Honestly, I don't know what you just said. What I'm saying is the listing agents are starting to see the writing on the wall because their stuff isn't selling right away. Oh, but listing agents. You said agents buyer's agents. Are, yeah, yeah, well, hang on. So the, but the buyer's agents are not writing offers to get the ball rolling. They're just giving the feedback, things seem too much, we're going to keep looking. That's what I'm seeing is confusion yep. on the buyer side because they think they're still supposed to write a full list on everything. And when the buyers say, well, maybe not, you got to get them to negotiate. Otherwise, we're going to continue to have more and more inventory, which is not necessarily a bad thing. All I'm saying is that there is a lot of confusion during the real estate reset. And that's tough for right. some of these guys. You just re you'd move some words around. That's all. You confused me. Yeah. I have a simple okay. I have a simple Sorry. brain. You, if you move, yeah, exactly. <laughs> More uh, but no, I get your po I get your point though. Yeah, and that is true. But really, Julie, what it really comes down to is listing agents knowing how to basically price their products correctly yeah. and how to essentially condition the seller that this is a changing yeah. market. That's guys. That's Earlier usually in you only that is, our businesses like ours do really well during a market like this because a lot of people that came into the industry in the last ten years. Uh, you guys have only sold in an upwards market. You've only sold in a seller's market. You thought you were good, and maybe in that particular market you were, but now you're building up inventory. It's not selling. You're getting, not getting price reductions. You're all of a sudden having these terse conversations with sellers, and as Julie said, you're not working to get buyers. Here's an example, guys, and this is a really quick example. Um, so I had two coaching calls that I remember very well last week. And my personal and Julian's personal clients, for the most part, are some of the most successful agents in the country. These are agents that sell, you know, multi, the whole exactly like the guys from Bravo TV, those types of people. Okay. All right. So they, these are listing agents because that's what we primarily focus on. So our, the listing agents had listings. There's one in particular. He had a listing, and I'm not making these numbers up, guys. And the listing was uh, 15 million dollars. That's what it started out as a year and a half ago. Um, and the listing now has been for sale. He's had it for the whole amount of time. And then the price now has – I think it's reduced now to like $9.8 million. This is literally a seller that's going to lose $5 million. Oh, but we're not done yet. He received three verbal – we're thinking about making offers for $7.3 million, 7 .3, $7 million, that type of thing. So the offers were coming in at basically $2 million less than his current price. Some of you guys are going like, holy crap, what are you talking about? My average sale price is eighty nine nine. But the math is, the math is, you know, the numbers are bigger, but the idea, the concept is still the same because this is what all of you guys will be experiencing. And, and so his reaction was, you know, I know the house is worth more than that. It's, you know, blah, 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 blah. and I said, no, it's not worth more than that because it's been for sale for a year and a half because you've had it priced at less than 10 for something like six months during the tail end of what's probably going to be the best, you know, seller's market uh, that you guys are going to experience in your market in the next 10 years. You've received three hypothetical offers in the low sevens that these guys don't even know each other. So this is not just some sort of weird conspiracy to try to lop another couple million off this house. The house is worth in the low sevens. Your opinion doesn't matter. What you think or what your CMA said or all these other types of things that you said when you were in a seller's market are irrelevant. You've already waited out the market. Have you even told the seller that you received or could receive with a little bit of work 
um, three offers in the low sevens. No, I haven't because I thought the house was worth more was the reaction. Well, oh. guess what? Yeah. It's not. Exactly. So he let his ego yeah. and his outdated thinking stand the way of what could have been and probably will be a really you know, unfortunate situation for the seller because they're losing $7 million. But the flip side to it is the seller might not even give a, care, give a damn because chances are he doesn't give a damn. He just wants the property gone. Come this far. And I had – well, and so here's and now here's here's another one. I'll give you another one. Um, a house out in L.A. Well, I'm giving you coastal examples. A house out in L.A. listed for I don't remember somewhere around nine or ten million. All these sort of you know, and offers in the same low price range, you know, seven million range, at low in the sense of what it's listed for. The uh, offers were the verbal. Nothing was actually coming in. A lot of buyers agents in L.A. They sell these expensive homes. It's like most of the country. They sell a few of them per year. They make a lot of money. They think they're really good, but the fact is, is the houses sold themselves, and the buyer's agents really didn't have to do anything other than just stand in the, not stand in the way of the contract actually happening. And then they make hundreds of thousands, if not million dollars, because of the sale price. Nice life if you can get it. I agree. That's what some of you are thinking. Here's the thing. He was not able to get the buyer's agents to make offers. Because the buyer's agents themselves did not have the experience to get their buy. Because remember, they don't sell that much, but they make a crap ton. So they have these big egos because they think they know what they're doing because they make lots of money and everyone kisses their butt. But the reality of it is, is they don't know what they're doing because they've never had a sell in a market like this. You see how this is affecting That's what I was trying to say. It? Yes. Yes, I know. I understand. <laughs> More and eloquently. So, oh, no, you were. I'm, you know, you, I'm you giving an example. I'm giving <laughs> an example. Yeah. Well, so so then the buy, so here's here's where this goes. So I told the buyer's agent, I'm sorry, the listing agent, who is my client, who has this house listed, to make reverse offers. This is stuff you've never heard of before, listeners. I told him <laughs> to write an offer from the seller, offering to sell the house to the buyers, opposed to waiting for the buyers to write offers with an offer to buy the house. It's called a reverse offer, guys. And there's many, 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 many techniques like this that we treat you or teach you in Premier Coaching, or when you're one of our uh, private clients. If you're selling expensive houses and you're, you, you want to be successful in a changing market, if you're not having either Julie or myself coach you, good luck. So here's what then happened. I asked him to write an offer in the sell, from the sellers. You know, what is the seller you know willing to sell the house for? And then we added like a couple hundred grand. Okay, what are the sellers' terms? What are the sellers? Write the offer and then submit it to the buyer's agents. All I was trying to get him to get the buyer's agents to do is have the conversation that they're unwilling or unable to have with their buyers. You guys get it? And what happened? Doing house went in contract. Yeah, house went in contract. Yeah. Because he was doing their job for them. This wasn't a dual agency. Don't get your analytical minds all flustered. All he was doing, and it's perfectly legal what I just said. All of you guys who are like, oh, my God, this doesn't understand. Look, all he was doing, it's, it's normal in a market like this to have to be creative. He was just writing, opposed to waiting for a buyer's agent to write an offer to buy, he had to a seller's agent writing an offer to sell. That's it. And it went in contact. Radical. <laughs> I know they've <laughs> right. never heard this stuff. I just know it. Maybe some of our grizzled veterans here and there, maybe. Okay. But, you know, you're right about the whole ego thing and my price and my feelings, and I just know my comps are right, don't let that get in your way. You know, I, I was just reviewing. Remember the, the script when you are presenting something that, I mean, a lowball offer right now 
is construed as anything less than list for some of these guys. That's not normal, okay? But because they've been in so many years of it being fast and furious, it seems like a lowball. So remember the script that we have used occasionally, different markets, that says, don't be mad at these people. They're the ones willing to even make an offer. Be mad at everyone else who trumped your house up and tracked your carpet up who didn't even write us anything. You know, it's those types of scripts that keep things recalibrated. We need to appreciate any offer that comes in. I mean, look at your example, 18 months on the market. That's like some of these guys cannot even imagine having 18 months worth of calls with those sellers. And so I caution them to not have the reaction of, well, why would I want more of that punishment? Because that's the other thing that I see going on, is because it is more of a challenge to keep those relationships happy, the non-skilled agent, the nervous agent, the conflict avoider, backs up into saying, well, you know, why would I want a lot of listings like that? Well, if you don't have any skill, I would agree with you. But what we're talking about doesn't take that much work. It does take some effort. It does take awareness. It takes not hiding out. We've seen it before. And those of you who are going to wait too long are going to be doing something else, not real estate. Remember that what's your stat from, uh, was it NAR, that five years from now, 80% of the business will be done by people who aren't even licensed yet? No, this it is was, part of yeah, what causes right. that. Well, yeah. so where, just, are we, where, know, cautionary tale. where are we, where are we coming from? And when we're talking to you guys, I know where I'm. I know exactly where my head is, and I know Jules is in the same place. We were in the business. We sold real estate. We sold. We never ever personally sold real estate in a seller's market ever. We always sold real estate in a flat market where there was like a six month supply or what would be called a buyer's market. In other words, we always, every single time with every single seller, had to have a conversation that resulted in them having to do something they'd rather not have done every single time. I don't remember a single listing of the thousands of houses we sold where it was not something of an arm wrestle. Uh, now, what we're seeing now is a whole generation of agents that have never had those experiences before, literally millions of you who have never sold in a normal market. And you think that your skill set from selling in a seller's market will apply to this market, you're wrong. And that gets back to my original point as to why the industry doesn't tell you. Because the industry is not designed to sell in a, norm, in a market that's changing. The brokerages aren't. Your systems aren't. Your lead generation funnels aren't. Your everything is not designed to sell in a changing market. In a changing market, most of the little gimmicky crap things you guys have been doing become totally obsolete. They do. Irrelevant. And what then is replacing all those things is skill. Knowing how to have conversations. Knowing how to do the things I just told you. Knowing how to talk to a buyer who's just going to say, look, I'm going to hold myself. I'm not a Oh, wait. I think prices are going to continue to fall. I think interest rates are going to rise. I think that we're going to be run by our Martian overlords by the spring. Whatever bouncing around their heads. You guys don't know how to sell a buyer without using fear of loss. Oh my God, if you don't buy this house, somebody else is going to buy it. Interest rates are an all-time low. You, your payment's only going to... You guys only know how to sell like that. And sellers, working with sellers, it's the same thing. Aspirational pricing days are over. Thank you, Diana Ramirez, for that wonderful term. Aspirational pricing, over. What do you know how to do as a listing agent if you don't know how to tell a seller that, 
like the examples I gave you where the sellers are going to lose millions of dollars. In your market, the sellers might be losing tens of thousands or hundreds of dollars. It doesn't matter. Do you know how to have that conversation? You don't. So let's stop acting like it's going to be easy for you. It won't. And you could go and have you know, 10 times the number of listings you have now, which some of you might be exactly the number 10, right, because you have none. Or some of you might have – or how are you going to manage a business like that? If you think you can build a brokerage or, or even a small team based on buyer-side transactions in a market shift like this, good luck. If you're not a listing agent in a market like this, and if you don't know how to take care of sellers, if you don't know how to answer their questions, if you don't know how to position their houses correctly you know, on the market, if you don't know how to psychologically reinforce yourself – so it doesn't grind you down because that's a big part of this too because you're going to have to – you know, when you – Julie, we, you and I had this conversation too. People, when we were driving yesterday, people – and I, I'm conscious of your time, your hard stop, okay? But people spend mm -hmm. their entire lives trying to go from one comfortable thing to the next. They never have any time spent in that area of being uncomfortable, especially when it comes to money. Most people never put themselves in a situation where they'll be uncomfortable with anything to do with finances, and that brings out the deepest, darkest demons in their souls and their mm -hmm. unbridled emotions. That's one of the things that eats agents up because they can sense that burning in themselves, and then they sense that burning in their clients, and they don't know how to deal with that. That's another thing that kills agents in this marketplace. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, what is it? Whatever resists persists, so whatever you're avoiding – probably will be chasing you down and causing destruction. And you just have to face it. You just have to power through. But you don't have to do it alone. This is why there is coaching. This is why there's this podcast. This is why there are scripts. You're not supposed to just naturally know how to deal with the things that you're avoiding. Ask for help. You know, we do. When we do I, I thought I knew how to work out until I went to Orange Theory. I did not. Okay? I had no idea. I didn't know what a tough workout was. But I'll tell you what, after having great coaching, I'm very clear on that. So don't live in fear of that. Do ask for help. And I, I, do, I think that sometimes it's the middle of the road agents that have the hardest time with this because the newbies, they know that they don't know anything and they're open to it. You know, that's like easy. They're an open book. The grizzled veterans, maybe they've been through it enough that they just need to polish their skills a little bit and update things. It's the guys in between that think that because they've done really well during a hot market, that they naturally know everything. And then when something creeps up, they, they run from it because it's, you know, it's, it's tough to admit that you don't know how to maybe price property more accurately. When things are so you know, furiously selling, you can make some pricing mistakes, but not now. If you have any doubt about this, look at your hot sheets and see how many price reductions are going on. See how many expireds are going on. The only question is, what are you going to do about it? And are you going to be somebody that thrives during a changing market? Are you going to be somebody that becomes a statistic? On that note, you gotta go. I have to go to Premier yeah, and help you these guys. Premier. So, all, all right, good. you can wrap. Thanks. All right, Bye. see ya. So, I'll, I was talking a little bit about where, you know, this, by the way, isn't the show Julie and I were planning. We just had a series of podcasts where you have to kind of have, a, you know, some coming to Jesus or if you're Hispanic, some coming to Jesus sessions. It's a joke. Come on, people, about, you know, where your mindset is with regards to uh, the changing market. And I get why you guys don't want it to change. I totally understand. Trust me when I tell you I understand. There is, from a coach's perspective, and that is what Julie and I are, the conversations we're going to have to have with some of you because you're not taking action now, and these conversations will happen and usually probably about mid next year 
when you're saying, I wish I would have listened. This is just the hard, stone-cold, no-bullshit truth, okay? Because what's going to happen is you're going to hope and pray, and you're going to go out and look for reasons why we're wrong. You're going to go out and talk with people who are going to uh, continue to basically try to have uh, confirmation bias on how the sky is perfect and unicorns are you know, walking around pooping rainbows. You're going to want to believe that because you're not going to want to hear what we're saying because it's going to result in you being uncomfortable. I understand And that's what's going to have to happen. You might procrastinate being uncomfortable for a year or six months, but it's going to happen. And here's why I'm being this direct with all of you today. Because you're waiting too long, and six months from now, you're also going to have other problems to deal with. You can take action now, and you can actually get ahead of the shift. Stop being in denial of it. Just assume that we're correct. Then start, ask yourself, okay, if I knew six months from now, well, six months from now, let me reframe it, six months from now, everything's different. It's a seller's market. Interest rates are higher. Housing is absolutely in a corrective cycle. People are pessimistic about housing. People are scared to own a home. People are just absolutely, you know, you run into some of your past clients who you know, they know that their house is worth less than when you sold it to them. That's the world six months from now. You ready for it? You're not. I know you're not. If you you did not thrive in the last housing downturn, you're not. And what some of you are going to do is you're going to wait too long. You're going to burn through your savings. You're going to, you know, assume that your happy-go-lucky, passive, you know, lead generation methods and all your pumpkin pies and your water, all the little silly things you guys drop off for centers of influence and past clients things. Those are a spoke, a spoke. You should have seven spokes. Your primary spoke should be not passive. That's a passive spoke. You're avoiding the spokes that might make you uncomfortable. Those are the ones where you have direct interaction with sellers. Tim, why would I want to talk to a seller who's going to be complaining to me who's going to bring me down and ruin my mindset, who's going to basically uh, be a seller who might, you know, like an expired, whose house is overpriced, because that's your job. That's why. Because that's the market. That's the market that you're going to find yourself in. Why would you, I ask you, procrastinate learning how to do that before everyone else does? You're going to have an advantage. And that's what I've been beating into the heads of all of our private clients, all of our elite private clients. We've been doing everything in our power to get them to the point where they're ahead of the market, where they're easily and effortlessly having those price change uh, conversations, where they're able to deliver information about the changing market in a non-emotional way so the sellers can take the actions to get the houses sold. You know, guess what, guys? There is probably not a house in the United States that's going to be worth more in six months than it's worth now. Are you telling your sellers that? You're not. You guys get the point? I know why the industry is not telling you this. I know why your broker is not telling you this, and your office manager, and your coach, and I know why everyone's not telling you this. Because it's bad news for most of you, because you don't have the skill set. It makes you nervous. It makes you scared. Good. Be scared. Be nervous. Trust that response, and then take action. Don't be scared and be nervous and be like 99% of everyone and do nothing and wait for things to get worse. Take action now, guys, seriously. Look, this isn't the show we had planned, (laughs) obviously. Julie and I have been reading emails, and we had some coaching calls this morning that set us both off. But it's what you needed to hear, isn't it? It is. It's what you needed to hear. It's not what you wanted to hear. Maybe some of you are uncomfortable now. Good. Embrace it. 
Don't back off the uncomfortableness. Here's your homework. Request a free coaching call if you haven't had one. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Number two, I want you to make a list and email it to me of the things that you've been avoiding the most in your real estate business. Seriously, not personal life, not finances, nothing. Just your real estate business. What are the things that you've been avoiding the most? Send me an email, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Send me an email. What are the things you're avoiding the most? The things that you know intuitively in your heart of hearts that you should be doing that you're not doing. What are those things? Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, and we'll share some of your answers with your permission, of course, also your name on a future podcast. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.